We've got an original song. We've got the research game. We've got this month's music therapy highlight. We've got In the Mid for Food. And we've got big plans. All right, Whitney. You ready for song slot machine? I sure am. This is how it's going to go. We had two people give us topics for song slot machine this week. We've got the genre, salsa. And we've got the topic public broadcasting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So without further ado, here's PBS, Public Broadcasting Salsa. talk about where we're going to be in the next month or so. Next month, in the middle of March, we will be presenting at the Mid-Atlantic Region Music Therapy Conference on this podcast, the 5-7 Core Podcast. It's going to be in Rochester, New York, our very own hometown, well, my hometown. Um, sorry, Sarah. No, it's okay. Don't worry about it. But she's Sensitive. on the board, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. I got to do um, work for the entertainment committee over the past year or so, so I got to book a lot of the entertainment acts. We are going to have some really awesome local and national entertainment coming in. So if you get a chance to come out, you're going to have a really good time. We are going to be presenting at 8 a.m. on, on Friday. Friday. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a great time. So if you're coming to the MAR conference, look us up and we'll see you there. All right. Sarah, do you have anything else going on in the next few weeks? You know, Whitney, besides work, not much besides a couple of gigs. Um, let's see. Yesterday, if you were in Buffalo, you missed me at TGI Fridays on the Boulevard. Wah, wah, wah. Mm -hmm. I sang a couple of new ones. We did some Love on Top by Beyonce. Ooh. I sang the new Rihanna, Love on the Brain song. Mm. I didn't 
use the unnecessary swearing in the song though good choice yeah and let's see this friday i will be at the 31 club in buffalo with three of my bandmates that's off of elmwood and that's 9 to 12 on friday february whatever next friday is hmm. whitney what about you what's coming up um i don't have any gigs but um you'll probably find me at the pottery studio that's what i've been doing lately spinning some wheels throwing some some clay on some wheels good Tossing messy work clay. that's awesome so what are you making um, I recently made a pot with a lid. <gasps> That's exciting. It's pretty cool. And so do you like paint these and throw them in the kiln or is it just like straight up clay? It's straight it's up clay and then you fire it once and then you glaze it and then you fire it again. Okay. I that's... haven't learned how to glaze or do any of that stuff yet. I feel like glazing is really fun. I'm sure it's going to be great. I'm most excited to learn how to put a handle on a mug. Three minute research game. Yeah. All right, Whitney, you're up first. Tell us about your topic. All right. My research article is titled Music Therapy in the Bereavement of Adults with Intellectual Disabilities, a Clinical Report by Jessica Hoyle and Kathy McKinney. Um, so it talks a little bit about um, adults with intellectual disabilities and some of the methods that have been used in the past to help them out with bereavement uh, from losing a loved one. Okay. Um, and they um, suggest that songwriting, singing, lyric analysis, improvisation, and structured music playing may offer ways for individuals to explore and work through bereavement and the associated feelings. They suggest that music therapy can provide an environment in which persons with intellectual disability who often experience communication impairments can express themselves non-verbally and work through the issues associated with bereavement. They um, talk about how often people who work with individuals with intellectual disabilities um, will often think that um, they shouldn't bring up topics related sure. to yeah. um, bereavement because it would be um, too much for them or they couldn't process it. But um, these researchers suggest that that might not be true. Um, they had three participa participants in their residential care facility um, and the music therapy sessions used music improvisation, songwriting, and pre-composed music to introduce and reinforce themes. They based it structurally off of other protocols for people with intellectual disabilities um, using counseling, play therapy, and social work techniques. They suggest that the results of this study indicate that music therapy could be useful for helping uh, bereaved persons with intellectual disability explore and express their feelings re related to significant loss. Um, it didn't provide any very concrete evidence um, because it was only three people okay. uh, in the study, but they suggest that more research should be done, as most music therapy research does. Mm -hmm. The end. Well, she's done with a minute left. Woo! So I'm going to use this minute to ask some questions. Okay, Whitney. I'm ready. Whitney, yay or nay for this research article? Did you like it, or how did you feel about it? I liked it because it was um, one of the few that really significantly described what they did in the study and what the results were qualitatively. They sure. gave me really good quantitative data. They used a Likert rating scale um, for pre, during, and post-test. Love those Likert scales. I but, like they those also, Likert scales. <laughs> but they also provided really good qualitative data about one particular um, uh, case study um, who, with, and this individual um, seemed to really respond really well. And it's another case that just tells us more about how music therapy is such an individualized experience mm -hmm. for each person. 
um, and sometimes it works really well for people and sometimes it's not it's not the perfect therapy but right. it is something that can be effective and that's nice to to see confirmed in research all right the end great study love all it. all right are you ready all right you've got three minutes Sarah okay um, my research article is titled Exploring the Discourse in Hip-Hop and Implications for Music Therapy Practice. This study was done by Michael Viega, PhD, okay, MTBC, from SUNY New Paltz, so right across the state. Um, I was attracted to the title of this because I love hip-hop and rap music, and I actually, in some of my groups just this past month, did a unit on hip-hop. It was kind of like an adapted music ed unit, so I was really intrigued to read this. I'm going to take this right from the second page of the article. It says, the purpose of this article is to explore the multiple dimensions and discourse of these spellings and definitions of hip-hop, which I'll get to in a second, within the context of music therapy treatment, research, and education. So this wasn't necessarily um, something where they described a method and gave results. It was more of a lit review and kind of an opportunity to talk about hip-hop for truly what it is and to say that this is something we need a little more discourse and discussion about. Okay, so there is a, an essential book in hip-hop music by KRS-One from 2009 called The Gospel of Hip-Hop, and there are three different definitions for hip-hop. There is lowercase hip-hop with the hyphen, which refers to the commercial product of rap music, the music we listen to on the radio. Then there's hip-hop, two words, capital H, two capital H's, and this refers to the cultural movement that occurred in the Bronx in the 70s. So hip-hop actually emerged as a culture um, a multifaceted culture that included breakdancing, beatboxing, rapping, emceeing, um, graffiti art, lots of different things. Um, and then hip hop, one word, I'm going to read this one, um, is viewed to be the spiritual and creative force from which hip hop culture and its definitions were born. Hip hop is the collective consciousness and reflection of the spirit that speaks through the aesthetic elements of hip hop, providing hope to those living in an oppressed, depressed, and marginalized state. So that's something that hip-hop can really be used for that's talked about in this article is that it's a wonderful way to connect with any populations that have experienced some kind of depression, oppression, or a marginalized or minority community. Um, so again, he talks about some specific methods, which is great. He talks about a huge need for music therapists that use this music to actually learn about the historical context behind it, which I think is really important. A lot of people are very turned off by rap and hip-hop music, but if you really take the time to get to know where it came from, it's a beautifully accessible genre that can bring out a lot of really wonderful things in clients. Um, I only have 30 seconds left. Um, and I wrote on my notes here, um, that I love that this highlights the necessity of really digging into each genre that you're going to use. I'm a huge um, proponent for, oh my God, 15 seconds. I'm a huge proponent for um, really digging into the music that you're using and making sure that your music is top-notch quality that you're bringing in and knowing the historical implications behind that is huge. So I think you should all read this article. It's in this month's Music Therapy Perspective. I'm done. Okay, thank you. Nice work, Sarah. <laughs> you gave us a lot of info. Can I ask you a question? Yes, you may. Okay, I want to know what you think about um, what your suggestions would be from reading this article to people who are interested in using hip-hop music but don't have a lot of experience in the area. Um, I, I don't listen to it a lot. Sure. Um, and I think there are a lot of us who don't have familiarity with us with it. Where would you start? Beautiful question. So I think it's important to go back and explore the historical um, context of 
any kind of music, particularly this music, because hip hop is very deeply rooted in societal and cultural um, issues and problems that have happened. Um, so I think there are a lot of great books that you can go to, a lot of great resources online. I know when I was preparing to teach um, this adapted music ed lesson on hip hop, um, I was doing it in an adult dayhab setting. What I did was I went online and I looked for different resources and I kind of went backwards. So I talked about music from now and what we might perceive to be rap and hip hop music today and moving back to where it really came from. Um, so I think if you're gonna go into it and you have a preconceived notion about it, try to have an open mind, I guess, going backwards and looking for different kinds of music. How effective would watching Get Down be? Super effective, actually. I loved the Get Down Netflix original series. There's only one season out, just came out last year. Um, it's a little bit cheesy, but they actually do a really, really good job of weaving a lot of accurate history into a very entertaining, overdramatic show. Yeah, I watched the first episode. It was interesting. First I, episode I is not a good, like, sh preview to okay. what the whole series is about. I would totally recommend watching I'll, it. I'll give it another try. Or you could watch... Um, Beat Street, which is a movie from, I believe, the 80s or 90s. Okay. It's hard to find, but that is like the quintessential 80s. I said, I said 80s or 90s. 82. It's, my boyfriend's motioning to me. Um, it's Beat Street is a wonderful movie, quintessential uh, resource for hip-hop. Sweet. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah. You're welcome. And now it's time for monthly music therapy highlights. Today's monthly music therapy highlights topic is iPads. 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 Sarah, do you like the iPad? I love my iPad. I just got one for Christmas. I have the iPad Air 2, 156 gigabyte storage, and I love it so much. That's very fancy. I'm borrowing an iPad from one of my coworkers, and I think it's okay. You think it's okay? So tell me, Whitney, what are you using it for? Well, a lot of the therapists where I work use it um, use presentations on Keynote and um, some other apps like AirDrop and stuff like that. Um, they use it for like lyrics and as visual supports for the kids. Um, and I think I think I like it. Um, I like to use it for um, when I'm doing some type of intervention where I need to. Um, I want to be using my hands, I want to be hands-on with the kids, I want to put on a recorded music, mm -hmm. and I have visuals up on the iPad for them to see as we're like clapping our hands, stomping our feet, touching our toes, etc. Very environmentally friendly as well, instead of printing out all these visuals. It's true, it's true. Mm -hmm. And it's super motivating for a lot of the kids. They really like um, the presentations where they can tap it and then the next image yeah. comes up. Um, there are also some really good communication apps, like there's one called sound let me figure it out talkboard talkboard it's pretty cool talkboard. it's basically like you can just make up your own um it's like you can make uh like a pex board for something oh that's fun um without yeah. having to pay for a board maker yeah and i don't know if it's free it's just on my coworker's ipad but so it's really I, nice. I'm looking at it right now. And I'm it's showing very it to beautiful. Sarah. I made um, very realistic images too. <laughs> well, those are those are mine. I took them from the internet. Um, okay. You create the boards yourself. So I have a student that chooses sensory phrases. So he wants to say like scratch my arm or like squeeze my 
leg or Mm -hmm. something like that. So we have him choose one. So he would say scratch, and then on the bottom there is a list of body parts. So you might say scratch my back, and then each one I recorded my voice Mm -hmm. for each image. Um, So at the yeah at the top of the page we have the image for scratch and the image for back next to each other, and you click the green button that says play. Scratch, back. Scratch, back. Yeah, that's so nice. I like using that. Um, that's fun. As what yeah. is that called again? This is called Talkboard. Talkboard. Yeah. So okay. I like that. There are a few things I like, but I also find that I am not super fast with the iPad, so oh, I need either. to do it. I can only use it when I don't need to be um, doing things really fast in front of kids. Because yeah. when I find myself in front of like five and six year olds and things need to happen quickly because their so attention much can span happen in the time is that you look so down short at the iPad. Yeah. yeah and like sometimes I find myself sitting there looking at the iPad and saying all right hang on guys <laughs> and yeah, I have to sit there and be like them. loading music and then I'll be right. like you're doing great waiting and then I feel really guilty and I'm not yeah. a good music therapist not true but I know what you mean <laughs> yes so I use mine for very different purposes um, because we work in different populations I was showing Whitney an app before this that I have called Songbook. That one was cool. Yeah. You have to pay for it, but it's a one-time fee. I think it was about $7, maybe $7.99. You can email me if I was wrong. Um, (laughs) And it allows you to chart any songs that you want. And you can put them in yourself. You can go through the manual labor. Or you can um, press a little magnifying glass button on the bottom and it takes you to either Google or Bing or whatever browser you want to use and um, it lets you search for tabs or chords and um, all the search resorts will pop up like eChords, Ultimate Guitar and then you can open that and import the tablature or the chord page or whatever, the lead sheet. And you can also import PDFs. You can import things from other apps or websites. It doesn't have to be um, like a tab page. I love it so much. You have a little play button and it can scroll through. Um, I use my iPad in almost every session if it's for something where I'm looking at music. I also use my Spotify playlists. Yeah, I use Spotify all the time. Yes, I love Spotify. It's really nice. Especially when you have Wi-Fi, you can just look anything up. Mm -hmm. So like when I'm at Spectrum and we're in the office... I can just play any kind of song. I, yeah. And I have a lot of clients and students that come in and they're like, I want to do this song. And I'm like, well, don't know it, but we can listen to it. Exactly. Yeah, so it provides a lot of nice options, like when you're on your feet, um, on the go, quick fixes to things. The other thing I bought recently that works, that I pair with my iPad is um, a Bluetooth speaker. Yeah, and I love I my Bluetooth speaker. Yeah. Yeah, I do as well. Um, and I think... As long as you plan on how you're going to use your iPad, it can be used really effectively. Um, So for some of my larger groups, um, I have saved Spotify playlists that will do like movement with parachute or movement with something, especially with my older adults. And as long as I have, I set up the Bluetooth speaker and hook it up before the session starts so that when we get to that time in the session, I can just press play. And like Whitney was saying, like it can feel... Like you're making people wait when you have to go through things loading on your iPad. So I think once you get into a habit of getting it's just it ready, so different than pulling out a guitar and being in a, like Here in a we piece go. of paper. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think and as long as you get thing, carried like, what away happens, with it. Yeah, yeah. As long yeah. as you're not relying on it. What exactly. happens? What happens when your iPad breaks or your Bluetooth speaker doesn't mm-hmm. have the battery? 
or sure some of any of those things but i have a coworker that uses a bluetooth speaker and he can just like turn it on and get music started in literally like half a minute maybe wow. like 20 seconds it's yeah. amazing that's great so i think that's just with practice yeah absolutely so, and feeling confident the only other con- counter indication i think of using the ipad um in therapy would be with students where it's just going to be distracting mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. And sometimes you never know when it's going to be distracting. You could have a student that just really needs the iPad at that point, and like that is all they're going to focus on, yeah. and they know you have it, and then the rest of your session is just gone if they're so Absolutely. focused on that and you're not using it anymore. I, I have one student that just that is really motivated by the iPad in individual sessions, mm-hmm. and then in group sessions, it um, it kind of detracts from his experience. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think I totally agree. It depends on what session you're in and who you're working with. And my last point I want to make about the iPad is that I don't, it definitely shouldn't be an excuse to not memorize your music or not like run through it beforehand. Because I feel like it can be really disconcerting and like impersonal if you're staring at your iPad the whole session. Yeah. Um, and I know sometimes like having for my older adult sessions or for my adult dayhab sessions, I bring in a lot of different music every week and it can be a huge hassle to go through and learn so many new songs and the iPad has been a big relief, but I know there sometimes there'll be like a song where I just need the extra crutch of like looking down sometimes yeah. and as soon as I look down, I feel so detracted from, hmm. yeah. That's all I have to say about that. But I love my iPad. So first few months of having it, I love it. I'm getting used to it. I'm trying to see how I want to continue to use it in my sessions. But so far, so good. I still use paper notes for some things. But Yeah. 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 Um, speaking of notes, next week in Music Therapy Highlights, we are going to be discussing how you take data, data collection, and your method of keeping track of your notes. Do you do it electronically? Do you do it on paper? Do you do half and half? Um, we're all doing it different ways, and I personally am trying to explore some of the options and what works best for me. Mm-hmm. And Same we want to know from you, our listeners, what your favorite method is and any suggestions you might have. So send us your ideas, your comments, and your questions on data collection and documentation and how you do it to our email at v 7 podcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at us soon soon very soon check our blog yes and or you can put it on our facebook page and we'll be reminding you with posts until we come with our new episode episode 11 um we can't wait to hear from you in the mid for food (laughs) you can't laugh (laughs) i already did okay we're gonna be talking about food whitney go ahead All right, I want to tell you guys what I've been making the past few weeks in my Dutch oven, the best cookware that you will ever buy. I promise. Amen. Get yourself a Dutch oven. It cooks it evenly. It cooks it low and slow. You You can put it on the top of, on, what's the thing on top of your oven? You can put it on the stove and... Then you can put it in the oven. Are they from Holland? Truly? Oh, I don't even know, but they're great. Okay. They're great. It's this so what great are you making in the Dutch big oven? Um, pot that has a giant lid. Look it up. It's I want to hear the top three recipes. Bing, bing, boom. Ooh, top three. Okay, so number one right now is cheddar jalapeno bread. Whoa. Yep. You can make bread in a Dutch oven. It's amazing. Wow. Cheddar cheese, 
jalapenos, flour, and salt. Do you put butter on those? And yeast. All the butter. Wow. Okay. It makes it delicious. It's good All with right. chili. That's uh, number one. Number two, buffalo chicken mac and cheese. We've got a lot of rich foods here in the Dutch oven. Sure do. Um, that sounds delicious. We'll lighten it up a little bit. Okay. Number three. Homemade Dutch oven pizza. Aww. Yeah. It's pretty great. It's a tiny little pizza. Dutch oven and it cooks pizza. the dough really nicely. And um, the crust pizza, ends pizza. up being a little uh, like softer and chewier, if that's like the way that. you like your pizza, yeah. which is how I like it. Uh-huh. So super yummy. It's wonderful. I'll post my bread recipe on the blog. Okay. And my little food anecdote for um, this episode is nachos. I've been making many variations on nachos. Yum. They're a quick way. I work late a lot of nights. Top three variations. Ooh. Greek? Greek has... Greek nachos. She's looking at me like I'm crazy. You just... Okay. So we preheat the oven to 250. Get out a tray, baking dish, whatever, pan. We do like a large brownie pan kind of deal. Okay. Pour the chips on the bottom. Feta. Uh Uh-huh. Artichokes. Okay. In a pan on the stove while the oven's preheating. Little onion, little garlic, little olive oil, little spinach. Okay. You feel this? I'm feeling it. Put it on top. Okay. A little more feta. Does that make sense? In what? On top of the nachos. Okay. We're, We're in the pan now. You put this in the oven. You put this in the oven. Just just keep an eye on it. Yum. Any like kalamatas? Yeah, I was just gonna say. Yeah. Olives. You kalamata preferably, but I haven't done that. That sounds good though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, traditional variation. Okay. So, I mean, this is pretty classic. In the pan, we'll also do some onions, some garlic, some olive oil. Um, we might throw some adobo, some chiles and adobo in there. Chiles. Yeah. Yum. Or some chipotle peppers in yeah. adobo, yep. whatever you like. Um, some black beans. I just like to little get a little toast on them, you know. And we'll put these over the chips like in the pan. Same deal. No. <laughs> Breakfast nachos might be interesting. <gasps> Ooh, eggs, bacon, sausage, cheese. Yum. Mmm. <laughs> Maybe some maple syrup. Ew. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. That Anyways. sounds delicious. Um. I mean, and I'm just telling you what I like in the classics. I really like pickled jalapeno peppers as well. Mm, Fresh yeah. ones are good, but I love the pickled ones. Um, got your typical Mexican blend cheese, but I also like some queso fresco on the top. It's really nice. That's fancy. Yeah, I like fresh salsa. She's a fancy girl. Like fresh tomatoes, not like jars. Salsa fresca. Yeah, yeah. In an Italian accent. <laughs> Italian nachos. Ooh, never tried it, but let's talk about it. Italian nachos. Marinara. This is... Do you think that would get soggy? Yes. Maybe on the side. Like yes, if you had, you know? Yeah. Okay, so mozzarella. Basil. Ooh, okay. <coughs> Tomatoes. In the pan with onions, garlic oil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Garlic, garlic oil. oil. Garlic. Sure. Garlic oil would probably be good though. Yeah. Um, I don't think you would need much for this. Pretty I'm simple. I'm thinking like sliced baby tomatoes. I like that. Heirlooms. Yeah. And maybe some oregano. Some parm. Mmm, parmesan. Mm-hmm. That sounds delicious. Okay, last food topic. Okay. Listeners, we have a question for you. Another one. Both of us have music therapy jobs. <coughs> Bless you. Where we yep. are driving, like, all the time. Um, for me personally, I haven't eaten lunch all week. I eat a bagel in the morning, and then I eat dinner at, like, 7 at night. Because I literally don't have time. And I'm in the car. What is your suggestion on what I should be eating for lunch? 
I need something that won't go bad in the car. Like, it's winter now, so it's okay. But I need something that mm. doesn't need to be refrigerated, okay. that is easy to eat while driving, and doesn't provide a lot of waste at the end of my meal. Mm. And mm-hmm. go. Are you asking me right now? I'm asking our listeners. Do you have any suggestions? Um, I mean, my immediate thought is trail mix. But trail mix can get boring and can actually not be that great because you can only have a little and it's super filling. or And then you're, like, hungry later. Yeah, and the other thing is I want, like, low-calorie options. Yeah. My go-tos are always, like, apples stay pretty good no matter... As long as it's a good apple. Apples are not great at this time of year. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I keep some things in my car. Like, I keep the little 100-calorie packs of almonds. And sometimes I just keep some candy just to get my sugar going. Yeah. But I'm also interested in this topic. Yeah. If anyone has, like, some really good ideas, like, if this is your thing, we want to know. Tell us what to do. We need help. Thanks for listening to this episode of the 5-7 Chord Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas, questions, or concerns, please reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook at The 7 Chord Podcast. Or email us at The 7 Chord Podcast at gmail.com. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.